0: This episode of Red or Dead is sponsored by TBR. TBR is Book Riot's subscription service offering tailored book recommendations for readers of all stripes. Tired of wasting money on books you end up not loving? Let us help! Tell TBR about your reading preferences and what you're looking for and sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget. Sign up only takes a few minutes. Answer a couple of questions about what you like to read and what you're looking for. Link up your Goodreads profile if you have one, and you're done. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. That's mytbr.co.
1: Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 74, and we are recording on Tuesday, March 24th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Rincey Abraham, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Katie. Hi, Rincey. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> it feels like such a weird
0: time to be, I mean, I'm. everyone knows this. It's a very odd time to be alive. I've, uh, as everyone should be, most likely uh, self-quarantining for quite some time. Yesterday was the first time I left my house in like 10 days. And I like went to go like grocery shopping and stuff like that. So, you know, it's been fun.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I, yeah, last week I, my library had closed to the public, but full-time staff were still basically coming in. So I came in Monday through Wednesday took a couple of personal days and basically gave myself a much-needed four-day weekend. And uh, this has been my first week working from home. Um, it has been a very strange new world, and I, I'm i pretty sure I don't like it.
0: Yeah, it's interesting for me because uh, the company that I work for, I already had, like, work-from-home options, partially because, like, we didn't have enough space in our office for everyone to be in the office all the time. So they, like, gave us basically, like, two to three work from home days depending and so I was already used to working from home but like not like my company now like everyone is just 100% work from home and it's weird because like I'm still doing all of the things that I normally would be doing like I'm still working my full-time job I'm still doing all the book riot stuff um and but at the same time obviously like nothing's the same so yeah it's interesting.
1: Yeah, I am not used to working from home. Um I would do it occasionally at my last job, but it was like and making up like an hour or two during the week so I could keep my regular 40 hours. And even I hadn't even done that in a few years. So now basically working 8 hours a day, I feel like I am I've been like banished to the corner of my living room. I had to clear off my crafting desk and that's my new Work from home desk, and I just kind of sit in the corner all day, basically, I try to get the cats to come over and sit in my lap, but they won't because they they don't know what to make of the fact that I'm home, and I'm sitting facing the wall eight hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> it really feels like that I mean it's a lovely corner, and I've got crafting supplies and lots of fun things on the wall, but I'm literally facing the corner yeah um and it's it's extremely exhausting, like I am doing a lot or well no, I'm not even doing a lot of the same stuff I was doing before. We're finding new ways to make our library services digital and we have to f- and we're figuring it out really, really fast. Um and we're we're doing video conferencing meetings with all of the department heads and our director and everyone's just kind of staring at the their laptop camera going, "Oh my god, what is going on here?" <laughs> So I hope that, yeah, I hope for all of you who are listening, I hope you are safely at home and that you are going to continue staying safely at home and that you're not going to venture outdoors unless it is absolutely necessary. Because we've seen the photos of people who don't do that and we don't want to be those people. So I hope hope everyone's staying at home, washing their hands and basically staying healthy.
0: Yeah. And just to like quickly mention, uh, Book Riot does have a bunch of COVID-19 coverage in regards to how it's impacting the like book community. So if you're interested in stuff like that, definitely head to the Book Riot website. There's a story stream. It's right like the main part of the website on the homepage. So just head to bookriot.com and you can check those out if you're interested. But also like if you're maybe sick of talking about and reading about and hearing about COVID-19 stuff, this will probably be the last that we talk about it for, you know, the vast majority of this episode. So hopefully this will provide a nice little break for everyone. Indeed. All right. So before we jump into the rest of the episode, I have our first sponsor and that is Forge Books, who are the publishers of Gone by Midnight by Candace Fox. When Sarah Farrow's son goes missing from a locked hotel room, she frantically turns for help to Crimson Lake's unlikeliest private investigators, disgraced cop Ted Concaffy and convicted killer Amanda Farrell. Just the sort of twisted puzzle that gets Amanda's blood pumping, the disappearance couldn't have come at a worse time for Ted. He has just this one week with Lillian, the daughter he barely knows, but the clock is ticking for the lost boy. Amanda and Ted's search dredges up the area's worst characters, and the danger they uncover could well put Ted's own child in deadly peril. So if you are looking for some escapism during this wild time that we're living in, uh, you can check out Gone by Midnight by Candace Fox, which is published by Forge Books, and we thank them so much for sponsoring this episode.
1: Okay, so if you are a new listener, Welcome. You've picked a great time to start catching up on podcasts. If you are a longtime listener, welcome back. We are delighted that you are choosing to spend your time listening to our humble little show. Um, So at the beginning of the show, we mentioned we cover pretty much uh, everything mystery and suspense related. And so if it falls under that broad umbrella, whether it's new releases or interesting subgenres or movie adaptations or true crime or anything else along those lines... We, you know, we're we're open to talk about it. And uh, at the beginning of the show, we always put out a call to our listeners. If you have any ideas for future episodes, things you would like to hear us talk about, questions that you have, if you're looking for reading suggestions, or if you're looking for a, you know, looking to get a little bit more of a, of a deeper dive into a particular subgenre, let us know. Because as we have said many times, your suggestions have really helped us flesh out the topics that we talk about on the show and we really appreciate all the ideas that you that you've given us so if you have an idea please do let us know Uh, we will have our contact information at the end of the show or even if you don't have an idea and just want to reach out digitally Um, we love hearing from from all of our listeners so those of you who have emailed us or tweeted at us um, we really do appreciate it and we and it makes me so happy when when you guys when you guys uh, reach out to us so i uh, just wanted to put that out there and then uh last last episode was where we had like a billion and one different news items and not surprisingly this this episode there isn't a whole lot going on so to speak so uh well, Renzi, why don't you give us give us what we've got so far <laughs>
0: Yeah, sure. So first, uh, we have a little bit of adaptation news, because what's a or Dad episode without a- adaptation news. So it's been announced that Lucy Alibar has been uh, tapped to write the screenplay for Where the Crawdads Sing. So I don't think I need to explain uh, what Where the Crawdads Sing is, because that was like the best selling book of the past year. But uh, this book is being uh This book is being produced by Reese Witherspoon's production company uh, for Hello Sunshine. If the name Lucy Alibar sounds familiar to you, she co-wrote Beasts of the Southern Wild, which was nominated for an Oscar back in 2012. And so she's been tapped to write the adaptation of this. We know that a lot of people are probably going to be really excited about this since this was such a popular book. So you have something to look forward to in the near future.
1: All right, um, and even though well, we've been getting a lot of news about um, different dates being pushed back. Um, we're still getting news about upcoming books. Um, so one of the one of the items in the last couple of weeks is that David Lagercrantz, who took over Stieg Larsson's Millennium trilogy after he passed away. Um, he, so he's written the last, the last several books that have, that have come out over the last 10 years. Um, he is going to be publishing a series that is being described as like a modern Sherlock Holmes type series. And it doesn't, it doesn't feature the actual Sherlock Holmes characters. Um, but it's kind of like how we've, I think it's kind of like how we've described the IQ series by Joey Day is kind of like a modern Sherlock Holmes series. It has a lot of those same sensibilities, it seems like. So the book isn't going to be coming out until probably late summer or early fall of next year. So there's, you know, there's a lot of time between now and then. Um, But if you are a fan of David Lagerkrantz's previous books um, and are looking forward to him writing something aside from the Millennium series, um, keep your... uh, Keep your ears open for more news about that. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought that sounded really interesting. It sounds like, yeah, it sounds like a the news item that we have says that it's like a modern Sherlock Holmes uh, series that takes place in Sweden. So it's kind of like a gritty Nordic thriller with some modern Sherlock Holmes sensibilities to it. So sounds really interesting. And uh, when we get more news about that, we will be sure to keep you updated. All right. Okay, how do we want to announce this? I mean,
0: I I feel like we're kind of breaking the news because it feels like no one knows about this yet unless they follow us on Twitter because we (laughs) seem to be the only people talking about it. (laughs) But I mean, since technically you saw it first, Katie, so I'll let you go first.
1: We're getting a new town of French novel this year! Woohoo! It's
0: really funny, because before we get into the details of it, uh, in the Book Riot Slack, there was like one day where people were talking about a new ton of French novel. And one of uh, the staff members was like, this is a year we're technically supposed to be getting a new ton of French. Don't know if it's gonna happen because they haven't said anything yet. And I'm like, I'm staying optimistic. There's still time. <laughs> and my optimism has held out to be true.
1: Yes, so yeah, we this news broke for us. Um, shout out to Chase Hairston who tweeted at Rincy and I on Twitter along with a bunch of other authors and with a link to the to the Amazon listing for the new Tana French book. Um, so there's really like no information about it except that it is apparently being. Uh, it's titled The Searcher. It is a standalone novel, so it is not part of the Dublin Murder Squad series. And, as of right now, its publication date is October 6, twenty twenty. Um, will that change between now and then? I certainly hope not, um, unless it's to move it up a few weeks. Um, but that's what is listed on Amazon right now. There's no cover image. there's no description, although I did hear somewhere in, you know, rumblings that Tana French was writing a new book. I did hear something about the book might be about a retired American detective living in Dublin, um, and who gets caught up in a mystery. But don't hold me to that. It's not written down anywhere that I can find. So we'll, we'll wait for more information to come out. But just it's amazing. This, it's, it's just a, an off-white rectangle on Amazon that just says Tana French, and then the searcher on it. There's no cover image. And yet it brings so much hope to me right now. Yeah,
0: and if I can find uh, a link to this specifically, but Tana French did a thing with Pandora recently. Uh, I don't think we talked about it.
1: No, but I included that in my uh, librarian newsletter for Book Riot, so I do know what you're talking about.
0: There you go. So Tana French did a thing for Pandora or with Pandora where she like kind of did an interview, but also like picked out some songs or something along those lines. And in there, she talked about how she was writing a book that had to deal with... Um, America or an American and things like that. And so I think that's part of it. But we don't know for sure if this is that book, or if that's like a future book coming. So we'll see. But I'm so excited. I'm so happy. Like, honestly, I think we can all agree 2020, not a great year so far, but at least there is something for us to look forward to. I'm, I'm really hoping like, I'm going to go like worst case scenario here. If something happens and they can't like publish physical books of it, just publish the ebook of it. We can all like download it on our phones in worst case scenario. I just need that in my brain as soon as possible to help me feel better.
1: <laughs> I, I just love the chain reaction that that tweet sent off. I started Muppet Arming on Twitter, and then I ran to find my husband. I'm like, Donna French has a new book out. He's like, oh boy. And then, like, we shared it on the Book Riot Slack channel, and everyone else was going, oh my gosh. And then those people who we follow on Twitter started tweeting about it. I started, I texted a couple of my friends who are super into of French, and they all responded with, they, they responded with, what? Oh my gosh. And it was just like, for like 15 minutes to like an hour, if you consider what what uh people were tweeting on twitter. Um it was just like lots of capital letters and exclamation points and I love this just kind of like this ripple effect everyone's like oh my gosh new town of french new town of french.
0: Yeah, we need that sort of happiness right now. We'll take what we can get. And yeah. ton of French is honestly one of the best things we could get
1: Yeah. Yeah, the and the the apparently the New Yorker said that her her books inspire cultic devotion in her readers. I'm like this is accurate. <laughs> And then with that, before we get into the heart of our episode, I have our second sponsor, which is Cross Her Heart by Melinda Lee. 25 years ago, Detective Bree Taggart lost her mother and father in a tragic murder-suicide. Since then, she has struggled to bury the memory of their deaths and cope with the fear that was instilled in her. However, when Bree's sister Erin meets the same fate, she must contend with her past in order to bring Erin's killer to justice. The obvious culprit is Erin's husband, Justin, who disappeared shortly after the murder. Except the evidence isn't adding up. And as she works to uncover the truth, Brie finds herself in more danger than ever before. So Melinda Lee is a best-selling author. She wrote the Morgan Dane series, and this is the first novel in her new Bree Taggart series. So if you're looking Looking to find a new series to fall in love with, this might be a really great option for you. So, again, that is Cross Her Heart by Melinda Lee. And we thank them very much for sponsoring this episode.
0: Okay, so for our main topic for this episode, Last week or the last episode that we recorded, Katie found a link to this Crime Reads article that talked about the best small presses that are currently publishing a crime fiction. And so we were going to talk about it originally as part of like the news roundup, but there was so much news last time. Uh, Also, like the way this was set up, I was like, hey, this would actually be like a really fun thing to talk about as like a main topic. Uh, I think that small presses are really great. I think a lot of people would agree with that. But because they're smaller, they don't get as much attention. But they do a really good job of finding like authors and writers who otherwise wouldn't get very a lot of attention and like usually come from marginalized backgrounds or are talking about different types of topics or are writing in a new and interesting or unusual way and are able to like put those books out into the world for the rest of us to consume. So we decided that we would take a look at this uh, list that was put out and like pick a book from one of these presses and talk about them today.
1: Uh, yeah, so... I guess I'll jump in because of the the really funny connection um, with this. So yeah, the I you know I agree with everything that you said. Small presses keep the publishing industry really interesting, um, and. Yeah, they're 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 those are kind of like you know, the hidden gems of the publishing world. Um and yeah, they're they're always a little bit of a, a little bit of uh, a wild card. Not not always sure what you're going to get. Um but there's some really great um small presses that are that are publishing crime fiction nowadays. And the book that I picked is Zero Saints by Gabino Iglesias and I realized after the fact, he was, he actually wrote the article from Crime Reads on the best small pu- presses publishing crime fiction today. Um, so there's that that fun little tidbit. Um, but I picked this book because, well, I actually have two of his books sitting at home, Zero Saints and Coyote Songs by Gabino Iglesias at home. I got to meet him in November. Um, one of my Net, one of a librarian who I know through different networking things. She is good friends with him, and he came and did a keynote talk at a Reader's Advisory Conference that I went to in November. And I purchased his books, and he autographed them for me, and I got to meet him. And he and I actually started following in each other on Twitter prior to that. So one of the autographs says, Katie, great to meet you outside of Twitter, and he signed it. But he is such a cool guy. And he's really cool on Twitter. So if you're interested, definitely follow his account. Um, he talks about really important things going on in the world. He's very outspoken about promoting authors of color, promoting marginalized authors, um, and making sure that they get good representation, um, if not in the publishing industry, then from fellow authors and other people in the book world. Um, But yeah, he's a really, really cool guy. Um, And he also writes book reviews for NPR, um, along with he does articles for Prime Reads and other websites as well. So you may have actually um read some of his online work and not even noticed uh realized it. But yeah, so Zero Saints is actually a I it's definitely a crossover between like dark gritty crime and horror. And in fact, his books are usually marketed as horror, but there's enough of a crossover that I'm like, okay, yeah, this this will work for this show. But the the story Zero Saints, it's basically it's a really short book. Like it's less than 200 pages, but it's a story of a turf war between two gangs in Austin. And there's the main character whose name is Fernando, and he is he is a drug dealer and he they have their they kind of have their territory staked out. And then at the beginning of the book, he is knocked out by rival gang members put in the trunk of a car and that he watches them murder a friend of his basically as a warning to say hey this is our turf now kind of thing um except there's something very odd about about this whole setup like there's de- like there's supernatural stuff going on like these gang members may not be entirely human and yeah it's it's so interesting i have never read a book like it for several reasons. If you're balking at the horror label, it's not traditional horror. So if you're worried about it being too scary, it's it doesn't instill that kind of fear. It's more of a feeling of like, dark grittiness. Um, it's very, very gritty. Um, and there's, you know, there's a lot of violence. It talks about um, it, yeah, it talks about drugs and gang violence and guns and that type of stuff. But it also talks about how the main character, how he crossed over from Mexico into the United States. Um, he did not do so through legal channels. Um, but it talks a lot about what that's like and how that affects someone and how that affects how they carry themselves in America as they live their lives. and it puts such a perspective that for many of us, we, you know, we don't really consider like when we talk about seeking out authors of color so that we can hear them tell their own stories. He is telling this story that he's a part of is, as a Latino writer. And it, it just comes through on every page. And in fact, the book is, Half in English and half in Spanish, it like it goes in between English and Spanish very fluidly. Like you'll be reading one sentence and then that last half of the sentence goes into Spanish. Um, and there will be large passages of Spanish. They're not translated and he talks about that or he talked about that when he did his keynote speech at the conference i went to where he's like this is my language why you know why do i have to translate it assuming people don't don't know it he said you know people didn't translate english into spanish for him when he was learning how to speak english um so he's like hey you know what i'm presenting this as it is so if you want to understand exactly what i'm saying and you don't speak spanish <laughs> get get yourself a dictionary. Um so it's it's a very different reading experience. Um I don't speak a lick of Spanish. And so on this first reading, I did there was a lot of stuff that I did not pick up because I wanted to get through as much of the book as possible before we recorded. However, it is definitely a book that you want to go back and reread with like google translate up or something it's not going to get all of the nuances um that you might have picked up on if you spoke spanish fluently but it's definitely a book that that encourages you to do that and to pick up some of the language that he uses it is fascinating i've really never read a book like this before so again that is zero saints by gabino iglesias and yeah, I definitely pick this up if you want to break yourself out of a reading rut because it is truly unique.
0: All right, so the book that I picked for this episode was The Aosawa Murders and this is by Riko Onda and was translated from Japanese by Alison Watts and this is Riko Onda's first English language translation. It's not her Japanese debut, but it's the first one to be translated into English. Um So this is a really interesting book that like piqued my interest pretty early on from when I heard about it. It just came out in the U.S. earlier this year. It's a story that's set in Japan and there are sort of these two timelines. The big event happens in like the 1970s and there is this like really prominent family in this town in Japan. The town goes unnamed the entire time and they're hosting this like really big party because There's like these three generations of people who are all born, I think on the same day, if not the same day, like within the same like week or so um, of each other, but being like three generations apart. So it's like the grandmother, I believe the father and one of the sons in this family. So they throw this like huge bash every year for their birthdays. And so like the entire town is invited. It's like this whole big shindig, but at the party this year, all of the guests, except for one person, end up dying by uh, poison. All of the beverages or all of these specific beverage were laced with cyanide. And so everyone's ends up drinking this, except for the housekeeper and one of the daughters of this prominent family named Hisako. She's also blind. And so there's like this whole thing about how like everyone basically was dying in this party. but. Hisako really didn't have any clue what was going on because she couldn't see what was happening. And the event was basically told to the police by these like three neighborhood kids who like were at the party. They left the party. And then when they came back, they saw everyone on the floor and they ran. And one of them went and called the police while the other ones went home to like grab their parents and things like that. So that's like sort of the main event that occurs. Um, fast forward to like more present day. And there is some one of those childhood kids ends up writing a book about the event and. The way the story is set up is that like each chapter is set up like an interview with someone related to this event. So one of the chapters is set up as like an interview with this author who wrote the book. Um, one of them is set up as an interview with the housekeeper who survived. Uh, one of them is an interview with like someone who knew someone who was bl- like there was eventually someone who was uh, said to have done all of this. But he ended up uh, dying by suicide after like all of the investigations were sort of going forward. And so you interview someone who knew that man, things like that. And so you're following this as like almost uh unrelated third party you're not really sure whose eyes you're really seeing this whole story from um but it's almost as if you're kind of seeing it because it's this like sort of outside perspective and the way the story is written it's like you're reading the transcripts almost of this interview except you don't have like the questions that the interviewer is giving um and it builds as this like very like slow reveal of information that happens uh This is again like a Japanese novel and the way like Japanese crime fiction in particular is set up is very different from the way like American or English or I guess like general Western crime fiction is set up. And so it's really interesting experience reading this book, partially because of the format of it, having it written in these transcripts. You get like basically the title of a person at the beginning of the chapter, but you don't really necessarily understand their perspective or their connection until you get a little bit into it and it takes a little bit to really understand what's going on so you're getting sort of all of these puzzle pieces um i've seen a couple of people describe this as being a who done it but it's not really a who done it because pretty early on in the story you get a pretty strong sense of who the who done it is or who's the who there and i feel like it's more of a like why done it i'm going to Coin that right now uh, because it's more about like how and why all of this occurred because that's sort of the big question like this family was really well known and they were very like well loved in this town so like the big question was always like why did this even occur and why like also do it to like all of these guests who were at this party and things like that and so it becomes more and more about the why and then also like there are different people who have ideas about who did it. Um, No one really believes that the person who died by suicide was the person who was actually behind it. Or like maybe he was related to it, but there was something else going on there and things like that. And so these sort of like little pieces, it's more about like the little details. Like knowing just who done it is not really going to give you a satisfying ending. Um, I will give the warning that this book does not end like 100% neatly, you will still have some questions in the end. There are a couple of details that are left ambiguous. So if you are a person who gets really annoyed at stuff like that, you're probably not going to like this. But I found it to be just like a really interesting experience going through this because I've never read a story really written in this way before. And again, like we were talking about before, that's like one of the great things about reading like stuff from small presses and stuff like that, because it exposes you to A lot of really different things that you probably wouldn't get exposed to just reading like the big five publishers or big four, I guess now. So yeah, I really enjoyed this experience. I don't think this is a book that everyone is going to love, but I think that if you're into more like experimental fiction or if you're feeling a little bit like you're reading a lot of the same stuff, I think this might be a good one to pick up. And again, that's called The Eosawa Murders by Riku Onda and translated by Alison Watts.
1: Well, I'm glad that you mentioned that, because that was one of the last books I checked out before we were all forced to work from home. So that's on my stack of a stack of books to hopefully get to at some point in the in the next few weeks. Um, so I'm glad I, I can have that to kind of go into that knowing, you know, no, knowing that it's definitely more experimental, but I'm really excited to read it.
0: Yeah, I, I thought it was, I mean, it, again, it depends on your like, sort of Taste levels, or not taste levels, but just sort of like what you're in the mood for. If you're not the type of person who likes really experimental stuff, I know that this is not going to work for you. But I think that if you're in the mood for it, it could work really well.
1: Oh, and since we're talking about small presses, um, what what publisher published your book?
0: Yeah, that would probably be good to mention. <laughs> um, mine was published by Bitter Lemon Press, and they're also a really good publisher to check out if you're interested in works in translation, because that's something that they specifically uh, focus on.
1: And yeah, mine was published by Broken River Books, um, both of which are featured on the uh, Crime Reads list of awesome small presses to check out. The other one that I wanted to mention um, is there's Polis Books, and then part of Polis is Agora Books, which they published um, The Ninja Daughter by Tori Eldridge, and I think they published Three-Fifths by John Verger. Like, I think... I think it was, they they had like a different book written by an author of color that came out like in the last few months of 2019. Because I remember reading about that and going, oh my gosh, I have to put this on my ordering list for the library. Um, but that's another really great publisher to check out. Also Soho Crime.
0: Yeah, Soho crime is really fantastic. They're one of my favorites. I honestly like read stuff from them all the time without like mentioning it specifically. Um, They publish the Sujata Massey books. So that's how you know they're great.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Um, But yeah, so if you have any other small presses or independently published crime novels that you thought that you think are really good, let us know. Um, because you know, we love a great New York Times bestseller, but you know what? sometimes you, we you got, we want to dig a little bit deeper and find those those hidden gems. So please let us know if you have any great suggestions and make sure to check out the list of publishers for even more suggestions to add to your own TBR. All right, so I
0: have our new releases for this week and next week. So to kick things off, I have a couple of books that are already out now as you are listening to this. First is The Herd by Andrea Bartz. The Herd is an elite women-only co-working space that is located in New York City, and New Yorkers crawl over one another in order to apply for a membership to this community that prides itself on mentorship and empowerment. Among the hopefuls is Katie Bradley, who's just returned from the Midwest after a stint of book research blew up in her face. However, Katie has an inn thanks to her sister Hannah, who is an original herder and the best friend of Eleanor Wash, the herd's charismatic founder. Eleanor is a queen among the herd's sun-filled rooms admired and quietly feared even as she strives to be warm and approachable. As the head of PR, Hannah is working around the clock to prepare for a huge announcement from Eleanor, one that will change the trajectory of The Herd forever. Though Katie loves her sister's crew, she secretly hopes that she's found her next book subject in Eleanor, who's brilliant, trailblazing, and extremely private. Then, on the night of the glitzy Herd news conference, Eleanor vanishes without a trace. Everyone has a theory about what made Eleanor run, but when the police suggest foul play, everyone's a suspect. Eleanor's husband, other herders, the men's rights groups that have had it out for the herd since its launch, even Eleanor's closest friends. As Hannah struggles to figure out what her friends were hiding and Katie chases the story of her life, the sisters must face the secrets they've been keeping from each other and confront just how dangerous it can be when women's perfect veneers start to crack, crumble, and then fall away altogether. So obviously The Herd is based on a lot of these uh, co-working spaces that have been popping up lately. And I think you can think of a very specific specific female-focused one. Uh, I won't name it just in case, you know, I don't know legally if that's allowed. But anyways, <laughs> The Herd by Andrea Bart is out now if you are interested in checking, checking out an interesting thriller that looks at uh, women's place in the world and just what happens when things start to go wrong. And then also already out is Brown Girl Ghosted by Minty Das. Violet Chowdhury may be part of the popular clique at school, but as one of a handful of brown girls in this small Illinois town, all she wants to do is blend in and disappear. Unfortunately for her, she's got a knack for seeing spirits, including the dead, something she's tried to ignore all, all her life. But when the queen bee of Violet's cheerleading squad ends up dead following a sex tape that's not as consensual as everyone wants to believe, Violet's friends from the spirit world decide it's the perfect time for Violet to test her skills and finally accept the legacy of spiritual fighters from whom she's ascended. Her mission? Find the killer. Or else she's next. Uh, So this book is being pitched as We Were Liars meets Riverdale with a supernatural twist. Um, This has some... Obviously, if you couldn't tell from the synopsis, some slightly triggering topics. It also mentions in the description that it's a little bit of a me too, hashtag me too thriller. So if you have difficulties with those types of subject matter, definitely, you know, heed the warning for that one. Um, but it talks about mean girls, bullying, murder, and race in a quiet Midwestern suburb. And again, that's called Brown Girl Ghosted by Minty Das. Coming out next week is Valentine by Elizabeth Wetmore. Set in Odessa, Texas, in February 1976, uh, this town is on the cusp of the next great oil boom. While the townsmen embrace the coming prosperity, its women intimately know and fear the violence that always seems to follow. In the early hours of the morning after Valentine's Day, 14-year-old Gloria Ramirez appears on the front porch of Mary Rose Whitehead's ranch house, broken and barely alive. The teenager has been viciously attacked in a nearby oil field, an act of brutality that is tried in the churches and barrooms of Odessa before it can reach a court of law. When justice is evasive, the stage is set for a showdown with potentially devastating consequences. So Valentine is a haunting exploration of the intersections of violence, race, and class in this uh, small town that also looks at like the depths of darkness and fears while also providing some beauty and hope. Um, The story is told through alternating points of views and it looks at basically like women's strength and vulnerability and reminds us that it's the stories we tell ourselves that help keep us alive. Um, So if you like historical fiction with a little bit of a mystery title to it, then I recommend checking out Valentine by Elizabeth Wetmore, which comes out next week. I also have The Familiar Dark by Amy Engel. Set in the poorest part of the Missouri Ozarks, in a small town with big secrets, the familiar dark opens with a murder. Eve Taggart, desperate with grief over losing her daughter, takes it upon herself to find out the truth about what happened. Eve is no stranger to the dark side of life, having been raised by a hard-edged mother whose lessons Eve tried not to pass on to her own daughter. But Eve may need her mother's cruel brand of strength if she is going to face the reality about her daughter's death and about her own true nature. Her quest for justice takes her from the seedy underbelly of town to the quiet woods and most frightening back to her mother's trailer for a final lesson. So this is being described as a spellbinding story of a mother with nothing left to lose who sets out on an all-consuming quest after her daughter is murdered on the town playground. Um, So obviously some really dark and, you know, harrowing circumstances there. But it's also about the bonds of family and about what can happen when women are trying to do the best that they can and, uh, you know, provide some comforts in terrifying places. And again, that's called The Familiar Dark by Amy Engel. And then finally, I have American Animals, A True Crime Memoir by Eric Borsuk. And this one sounds so interesting to me. So American Animals is a coming-of-age crime memoir centered around three childhood friends, Warren, Spencer, and Eric. Disillusioned with freshman year of college and determined to escape from their mundane middle American existences, the three hatch a plan to steal millions of dollars worth of artwork and rare manuscripts from a university museum. The story that unfolds is a gripping adventure of teenage rebellion from page turning meetings with black market art dealers in Amsterdam to the opulent galleries of Christie's Auctions House in Rockefeller Center. American Animals ushers the reader along a gut wrenching ride of adolescent self-destruction, providing a front row seat to the inception, planning and execution of the heist while offering a rare glimpse into the evolution of the crime, all narrated by one of the perpetrators of this caper. I'm just like super intrigued to see what's going to happen here. It sounds like one of those books that's perfect if you've been enjoying all of these sort of nonviolent true crime books that have been coming out lately, like The Feather Thief and uh, Dinosaur Artists and things like that, where there are these people who are pulling off these really huge museum type heists and stuff like that. So if you have been a fan of those, then American Animals by Eric Borsuk is coming out next week.
1: Wow. Um... I'm just picturing like my friends from college and I planning that. I mean, the worst thing we ever did was two of our, two of our guy friends went home for a weekend and we decided to break into their dorm room through the front window. (laughs) That was, that was the most, that was the most heist worthy thing that we, that we did our freshman year of college. Um, But this, that sounds so interesting. Like, Yeah, because when I was like, oh, American Animals, okay, True Crime Memoir, okay. And then I was looking, I'm like, oh, wait a minute, he's one of the guys. (laughs) He's one of the guys that did that. So, yeah, that sounds really, really interesting. Actually, they all sound interesting. Who am I kidding? Um, All right, well, I can see from our show notes that you have finished a lot of books. Um, I, I have not... My my self care strategies over the last couple of weeks, unfortunately, has not included a lot of reading because I have not had a lot of focus. Um, I have done a lot of crocheting. Um, I have done some photo editing, video, relaxing video games, um, and adult coloring books. That's kind of been my go to. Um, so I haven't finished anything uh real recently um i did pick up um a book that we've talked about a couple of times that just came out last month um called the only child by Mie so um so this one i'm about maybe halfway through it it is really interesting so far but the basic setup is uh the main character is seong kyung um who is a criminal psychologist she is asked to come in um, and do an interview with a serial killer in prison named Yi Byung Do, who is he? They, they draw a lot of parallels to Silence of the Lambs, like this serial killer. He didn't eat his victims like Hannibal Lecter did, but there are lots of like the the book makes explicit references to the to Kyong being like a Clarice type of character. He's like the Hannibal Lecter, telling his story and kind of getting inside her mind. So, the one storyline is that she is interviewing the serial killer. The other storyline is that her husband, um, in his previous marriage, had an 11-year-old daughter who had been living with her grandparents when her... Uh, her grandparents passed away in a very sudden house fire and her mother um, had been dead for about a year. Um, and so she doesn't have any other family. So Kyung's husband brings the daughter home with him and basically like, surprise, honey, we've got an 11 year old daughter living with us now. Except Kyung is noticing that her new daughter, Hayoung, is there's there's something going on, and she's not quite sure what it is, but she's there she's has like these fits of kind of rage um that seem very sudden she um Siong-kyung is starting to notice parallels between her daughter and the way that Yi young do talks about his his crimes and so she's starting to notice like unnerving similarities between the two and so there's going to be this whole you know dark thing that um, that unrolls um this is a very there's a lot of psychology in this book like it's it's really really interesting especially to see psychology or psychological interpretations from a culture that's very, very different from Western culture. That's really interesting. Like, there are a lot of similarities, but there are a lot of things that are interpreted in a way that we probably wouldn't interpret it that way in Western culture. But yeah, it's really interesting. It's dark. It's creepy. Um, I'm really enjoying it. Um, So I definitely plan to keep going with that. Um, And again, that is The Only Child by Mie So.
0: Okay, like Katie hinted at, I have been reading a lot (laughs) lately. Uh, My Coping Mechanism definitely has been books. I will admit that or not admit, but I will just share that like, audiobooks have really been my savior because I've been kind of the same way. I've been going on a lot of walks and like even just like not really having an energy to hold a book sometimes these days. So like just laying on the couch with an audiobook going in my ear has been how I've been getting through so many books lately. So I will just like quickly run through all of these books. So I apologize I can't talk about them more, but we're going to be running short on time here. So first two I talked about in last episode that i was starting on i believe and that is 13 by steve kavanaugh this is a thriller and it's the fourth book in this, this series but i haven't read any of the other books so don't feel like you have to read these books in order the story is told from two perspectives one of them is this lawyer named eddie flynn who is this is called like the eddie flynn series so that should give you some hint eddie flynn is a lawyer and he gets put on this case of this celebrity who's been accused of murdering his wife who's also a celebrity and their sort of like guard, their mansion guard or whatever. And um, he obviously claims that he didn't do it and he's being framed. And then the other point of view is from this serial killer who has decided that he's going to get himself onto the jury for this case. And so it's really interesting book. Like this is the epitome of like an airport book or like a beach read or something like that. Like it is such a good page turner. Um, I think it was like the perfect book to like, I think last time I was talking about how I, I was in a bit of a reading slump. This was kind of the book that got me out of the reading slump just because it's so compelling. The chapters are pretty short. So you can like feel yourself like Keep wanting to keep up the momentum of, of going through this book. I'm also someone who enjoys books about and like stories and things like that around serial killers when you're in like seeing the perspective of the serial killer uh, just because I obviously like they think very differently than I do. So just seeing their motivations and things like that and but also because I'm a big nerd uh, there's a lot of stuff in here about like jury selections and stuff like that and so I kind of found all of that really interesting too. So it is like obviously a story that requires you to suspend some disbelief because like the fact that a serial killer is able to like perfectly work his way onto a trial like a major trial jury is a little bit uh, wild and like some of the other events that happen in here are a little bit wild but if you're in the mood for something a little bit wild and a really good thriller page turner definitely recommend 13 by Steve kavanaugh The other one was Sadie by Courtney Summers. I was listening to this one on audiobook and I have to say like this one took like a turn that i didn't really expect it to take or there's like sort of like this slow build up of pressure um where there is like this true crime podcast aspect of the story where there's like a guy who's like sort of researching this girl who's gone missing um this girl being sadie and the sort of reason why she goes missing is because her sister was murdered and she believes that she's going to go and find the person who murdered her sister. And so you're following it from two perspectives, one of like this podcast and the guy who's running the podcast, and then the other perspective is of Sadie's perspective. Um definitely a trigger warning for this one there are a lot of like really difficult topics in here, but I thought it was really well done. In the end, um I was very like moved by a lot of it in ways that I wasn't really expecting, but I think it does a good job of sort of blending this like true crime sort of interest that everyone seems to have right now and also telling like this really like interesting and important and like difficult story but it's like really beautiful at the same time um so i definitely know like why this one like audiobook awards um it has like a full cast and things like that um but also, like, I know why so many people were enamored with it because it really, in the end, like, ended up like in the beginning, I was a little bit suspect of it. Like, I found the idea of the true crime podcast and the uh switching perspectives to be a little bit hokey, I will admit, but it won me over by the end. Um, so again, that's Sadie by Courtney Summers. And then the two books that I haven't talked about yet, uh, the first one is The Confessions of Franny Langton by Sarah Collins. This one is like part historical fiction, literary fiction, part mystery. You are following this character named Franny Langton, who uh, was a former slave who is accused of murdering her employer and his wife. Um, And so the story starts off with like Franny Langton on trial, and she is writing down her confession. And what she does is she basically like tells kind of her life story and how she got to the events that occurred with her employer and his wife dying. And so, um, you're given like sort of a little bit of perspective and it goes back and forth in time a little bit, uh, where you see sort of like where things are progressing. And each of the chapters are interspersed with sort of like trial, witnesses, as well as like documents from the trial and things like that. So you're getting things from like different perspectives, which I think is like one of the really strong suits of this story is like you'll see Franny Langton talk about something and then you'll see sort of like how it's discussed in terms of the trial and the press and things like that. And seeing that sort of juxtaposition of like you knowing what actually happened versus how they're expl- saying it all happened is like such a interesting divide. Um, This isn't like a straight up mystery book. It's more like a gothic fictiony sort of mystery. Um, I've seen some people compare it to like Sarah Waters, and it definitely has those sort of vibes to it where it's like a little bit of a slow burn story. um, But it like builds in pressure over time. And by the end, you're just like really intrigued to see sort of like how it all wraps up and it I will say like it's very beautifully written, really descriptive, but with it being really descriptive means that there are some like very descriptive difficult scenes to read in here as you can imagine with a story about a slave or a former slave. Um, But yeah, there's some like really graphic scenes in here. So just a warning for that as well. But I found it to be really interesting. I found Franny Langton to be like a really compelling character and even like besides the whole mystery aspect of it, just like wanting to know what was going to happen with her life. Like compelled me through the story, and also I listened to this one on audiobook. Um, and the narrator for this audiobook is fantastic. Um, and it also like has two narrators. So there's the female narrator who's telling the uh Franny Langton perspective, and then there's the male narrator who's talking about all the trial stuff. And that really added to it. Um, but also like the fact that this is written as a confession, and then listening to it as at, listening to it as an audiobook really I think elevated the experience. And then finally. Uh, Maisie Dobbs by Jacqueline Winspear. This is an extremely popular historical fiction, historical mystery series. I just read this for the first time. Um, the way I described this on Goodreads is that reading this book felt like a weighted blanket for my brain um, because of everything that's happening in the world. Uh, I knew I needed sort of like comfort reading and historical fiction, historical mysteries, can be that for me a lot of times. And so I don't want to say that this is like the best book I've ever read or the best mystery I ever read. There is like this interesting divide where I'll let me give a quick synopsis where you're following this character named Macy Dobbs who opens up her own like basically private investigation business although that's not really where how she calls it um it takes place like right after world war one and so the first half is sort of like or the first section of the book is all set up the middle section of the book is all about Maisie Dobbs's life during world war one or like growing up and leading through world war one and then the last part of the book is sort of like the big mystery action part of the story so I've seen a lot of people rate this book down just because like that middle section kind of comes out of nowhere and lasts for a lot longer than you think it's going to but personally I just enjoyed it all. Um, it felt like a combination of Downton Abbey and uh, Call the Midwife in my, that's at least how I was like casting it in my brain. Um, it does talk a lot about stuff related to World War One, which I appreciate because I feel like there are a lot of World War II novels but not a whole lot of World War One novels which we have talked about before on this podcast. Um, So yeah, Maisie Dobbs by Jacqueline Winspear. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I already have some of the other books checked out as ebooks from my library because I have a feeling I'm going to want to read more of these over the next couple of weeks. And that is everything. (laughs) Woohoo! You did it! Yeah, I'm like, have a sore throat now because of all that.
1: All right, well, let's wrap this up then. (laughs) Seriously.
0: All right, so that's our show. (laughs) Thanks so much to everyone for listening. For show notes, you can head to bookwright.com slash listen. There will be links to all the articles that we talked about in here, including that Crime Reads article of Best Small Presses, as well and. There will also be links to all of the books that we mentioned here in this episode, including that giant pile I just ran through. Um, If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us out and helps other people discover us. If you want to send us an email with feedback or show suggestions, you can find us at red or dead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter and
1: Instagram. I am
0: at Rincey A.
1: And I'm on Twitter at KT underscore library lady.
0: And we will talk to you guys next time. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye.